I'm about ready to leave Twin Peaks, and I don't know when I'm going to return. But I want you to know that meeting you has been more than a privilege. It's touched my heart. And I know that if I don't kiss you now, I'm going to regret it the rest of my days. Hey! What the hell's going on? You are witnessing a front three-quarter view of two adults sharing a tender moment. Acts like he's never seen a kiss before. Welcome to Twin Peaks Rewatch on the Idle Thumbs Network. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. This week we are discussing the 27th episode of Twin Peaks, Variations on Relations. Yes, this episode was directed by Jonathan Sanger, um, and it was written by Mark Frost and Harley Payton. I didn't notice mm, at the beginning Frost of this. Is back. Frost is back. Hmm. So this episode features the work of Mark Frost and David Lynch. True. <laughs> technically true um man i didn't even think to put together what happens in this episode uh but i think we can say that uh our heroes uh delve back into owl cave um the miss tweak miss twin peaks pageant gets going uh cooper and annie share a moment or two uh Wyndham Earl strikes yet again and uh I don't know Dick Tremaine hosts a wine tasting. Yep, that's all true. Oh, notable thing about Jonathan Sanger, he's the producer who acquired the rights to the Elephant Man. So he produced oh. this episode of Twin Peaks directed by the producer of The Elephant Man, which was David Lynch's first film. Yes. Yeah. He also produced Mission Impossible 2 and Flight of the Navigator. Wow. All right. Two movies that I've seen. Mhm. And a bunch of other things. Oh, this episode also, its its title was one of the least annoying titles in a while. Important Variations on relations? Yeah. It's okay. It, it's not terrible. Yeah. All right. So what did you think of this episode? Uh, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually like, I think it was highly pretty watchable. much fine for most of it. Yeah. It ended in a... In a pretty well, bad wind place. Of, wind of Earl as he reveals his true form over the course of the back half of season yeah. two. What a cartoon every, this guy every is. Every new page that is that is turned in Wind yeah. of Earl's character is stupid. Yeah, it really is. It's really incredibly stupid. Also, that heavy metal dude, man, just like that like David Foster Wallace cosplayer, basically like just 90s. <laughs> Do you know who that is? No, who that's is that? Ted Raimi. Oh, what? Yeah, Sam Raimi's okay, brother. That's good. Yeah, he writes. he co-writes a bunch of Sam Raimi stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah hilarious yep <laughs> man what a bad character to put in this show though i know it felt like I, such a different world than twin peaks in feels, a way that was actually kind of okay just because it was so well, different, what it feels but, like to me is it feels like he's from the same world that the guy who plays Wyndham earl presumably thought he was getting hired to be in it sounds like the the casting director when they hired uh the whoever it is who plays Wyndham earl's name i can't remember mm-hmm. uh it's like didn't say this is for Twin Peaks or like don't didn't say like watch these to see what this show's about. It's just we're making a show about a crazy kind of weird serial killer guy and he's really smart and devious but also like hilarious. It's like a funny screwball thing. Also, so he's like great. Okay, I got yeah. hired for that job. And then this the like heavy metal guy is just was hired for that project, yeah. which is just, just operating inside Twin Peaks as a separate production. There's just another yeah. There is just a separate other 
way more actually like the worst elements of 90s alternative culture right. aesthetic like 90s <laughs> yes. alternative like video tv right. like sassy detached weird ironic people mm-hmm. of like that heavy metal guy being paper mache into a giant chess piece screaming wow what does he scream i wrote it down don't yelling don't zap the geek i want my beer <laughs> oh, right, yeah. as as someone's being electrocuted and like yeah. a man is playing the flute it's like mm-hmm. this is all like this feels like if you just saw like three seconds from this you would think it was like from the most expensive moment of kids in the hall or mr show or right. something yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's exactly correct yes yes but it's actually a weird high concept piece that is uh nothing about what this is but mm-hmm. yeah don't zap the geek. Don't zap the geek. You want to talk about, I guess, the surrounding sort of Owl Cave and Wyndham Earl stuff? Yeah. This is, this is when Wyndham Earl starts. Okay, well, the episode starts with them exploring Owl Cave. With, like, Someone's without, been here already. Looks yeah. like they did our work for yeah. us. Like, does anything come of that? They just go in there and make that observation, and then is there anything else about that? No, yeah, because Hawk's like, same tracks, Wyndham Earl. How does, yeah, how does Cooper recognize his shoe? Hawk says it's the same. He, it's the same tracks that he saw at the power plant, which we know when Earl was uh, there. Okay, all right, never mind. That's yeah. fine. Okay, um, man, I wh- like that Cooper said. I, I like that Cooper asked Andy for an accurate large scale rendering of this petroglyph. Like that is a good right. Cooper thing, and also it's it's good that apparently Andy can just draw well as a uh, right. He, well, he we've did, known that for a while. Yeah, no, he did. The, he yeah. does the work up of Bob, and I like. Yeah. I actually like that callback mm-hmm. just fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Um. So that that ends pretty quickly, but man, how speaking of the the scene with the guy and the chess piece, how weird is it for Wyndham Earl? Like I made this comparison to like a bad Indiana Jones what last week or two weeks ago. This just that this was all the more true this episode as Wyndham Earl is like reciting the properties of the White Lodge and the Black Lodge and about yes. how he's going to capture the Black Lodge and rule the world or whatever it is. Yeah, it's. Like, but also, he just sounds like a Nazi, like a like a like a fucking mystic Nazi from Indiana Jones. He's kidnapped, but he's kidnapped that like parody '90s metal dude. He is like studying the, the like owl cave petroglyphs on a CRT computer screen. Like he somehow has them scanned in and is doing analysis on them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, it's not just Indiana Jones. It's also it's true. like it's also the it's, '90s. It's for just sure. like bad proto X Files. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, that that scene ending. On that computer terminal. <laughs> yeah. Well, the shot before that was people like waving flashlights around in the smoky mm-hmm, cave. And yeah. then the next shot is yeah. like a completely goobery guy kidnapping some mm-hmm. just like just 90s doofer. And then, yeah, that computer monitor, like as if that, oh, he's analyzing it. Right. Yep. <laughs> ah, computer screen in Twin Peaks is such a bummer of a it's thing weird, to have in the show. Well, there was that, there was uh, Cooper's like Apple laptop or whatever that thing was. Yeah. Like several episodes ago. That felt like it was. A thing from an out from the outside, I guess. Wyndham Earls is supposed to be too, but there's no way because he just shows up as a weird escape yeah, criminal. Cooper had a little him? briefcase yeah. computer where, yeah, Wyndham Earls like ready for his land party with his like full <laughs> desktop that he brought out to the cabin. Yeah, <laughs> so, so goofy. Uh, man, speaking of Wyndham Earl, um, <laughs> well, I just mean I'm I, the only thing we're talking about. Well, this episode was I had actually a tough time sort of listing out all the sort of connections linearly because I found this episode more than some of the recent ones really intertwined a lot of this stuff. Yep. You know, a, a thing that Twin Peaks used to do more often where you start a scene in a location and then... You'll get like two other arcs in that location exactly, before it bounces right. out. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that happened more often this episode. Yes. Uh, Cooper learns about the torn poems from uh, from 
Earl that were given to Donna Shelley and Andre. The thing I noticed about this is that Leo's handwriting on the poems, when you actually look at it, it looks totally fine. But if you remember the scene when Wyndham yes. Earl was making him write stuff, he was like scrawling it in almost illegibly yeah. as Wyndham Earl was like electrocuting him nonstop. Wyndham Earl's electrocution did eventually. It worked. It taught yeah. Leo how to write as well as he could before mm-hmm. he had Leo's going to thank him for all this eventually. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. I'm sure a thing you loved was Briggs uh, talking about remembering or has or having seen the Owl Cave and then this crazy sequence of like a hooded guy masking stars and then an owl With flies a moon in and an owl. Was, like an explosion or something. <laughs> oh man. That was just what are all the images kind of in this in this glyph? What are all the images kind of in Twin Peaks? What if we just like blue screen them into each other over and over again in three seconds? How about a mysterious figure and the night sky of the Northwest and a moon and an owl and fire? <laughs> it means that happens again later. In I know. The episode too. Yeah, Incredible. it means something. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a this is a strange episode because of how intertwined it is. I mean, I wonder if that is just because we're back to Mark Frost writing the writing, like having a hand in the writing of this episode. Because that's true. It always seemed like he was the well, like the episode that that he most notably wrote and directed is the finale of season one, and that episode is just nonstop, yeah, just like things folding over themselves mm-hmm. in perpetuity. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, I guess we could we could just sit on that. Uh, End scene? No, and that scene in the in the double R that you were mentioning because um oh. Yeah, other stuff connects there. Um because that is that the same that's the same as the Cooper and that's the whole Cooper and Annie thing, right? Where he asks her out on a nature study. I think so. Man, maybe we're maybe there's two different big scenes in the double R. Um Oh man, we are. There's too much at this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no. Um it starts off with the Owl Cave stuff and then Wyndham Earl. Um, we get that scene of Pete writing the poem about Josie or whatever. But then it goes to... Man, Pete sounded to me like he was freestyling beat poetry. I know. For most of the scene. <laughs> it was really strange. The big long scene in the double R is, starts with Bobby talking to Shelley. And Shelley... It's, it, this is sort of the, the little thread go, that goes through this episode of everyone um, wants to enter... Or is being, or or the means right. by which people get into Miss Twin Peaks. Yeah, because Bobby really pressures Shelley into doing it, and she has no interest in it. Also, that whole and then thing, Bobby says, "Bobby's in charge." You understand? I like know. he's don't argue with me. Bobby's in charge. Maximum, baby. maximum, yeah. Leo. And then the next that, that scene made me that was that whole thing was like, why are these people together still? It, what on earth? Well, is, that is then uh, I know it, it comes yeah, back yep, later. Yep. Also, but, how does Bobby think that like a local Twin Peaks beauty pageant is somehow the key? to like a lifetime of success and wealth. Like what is, what, what, is, what line is he even trying to draw there? Yeah, Donna's was way more, Donna's reasons expressed way later in the episode was just, she wanted to be able to study overseas for a little bit of time and it would help mm-hmm. her. Right. I, well, I think she also like, that was also positioned sort of as a jab. I, I read it a little bit as a jab to her parents. Cause she's, fr- you know, she's so frustrated that they're yeah. clearly hiding something from her. She's like, anyway, really like to go overseas. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Well, yeah, there's always the, the sassy teen component. Yeah. But, yeah, then a classic tale of that bride and that old man. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, yeah, that whole thing was not <laughs> – I feel like the, the the television show wanted me to think that whole thing was a lot more important than it actually is. No, it got, like, a, it got a lot of screen time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, then it is Cooper and Annie starting to, like, where Cooper comes in, like, 
Cooper bombs in with his huge FBI jacket. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm back on the force now. It says FBI like five yep. times on my coat. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, he asks Annie out on a nature study and she, and then he learns about the poem from her. Oh yeah, yeah. it is all the same scene because, yeah. um, there was a really, because Shelley quotes the poem when Annie's getting the mm-hmm. donuts. There was a, uh, man, when Cooper says, when I talk to you, I get a tingly sensation in my stomach and my fingertips. And then Annie responds, it's interesting. Uh, that to me, this was probably not an intentional echo, but like months ago, there was a scene between Cooper and Audrey and she, and I, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she says something like, do you ever feel, you know, like it's a similar thing where she's smitten with Cooper mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, do you ever feel this feeling? Like, it's so interesting or something like that. Right. And it's, it's like almost the exact same dynamic and it's sharing a character and it features a woman dis- like saying it's interesting in a real, in a way that is like really unusual it is not in a way people usually would speak in that situation. What if that's I a deliberate really callback, intriguing. a total accident or Mark Frost just accidentally writing the same thing in two episodes. Right. Yeah. Most likely the, the latter, the, the last of those would be my guess. I don't know. Uh, that whole scene was funny because all it, it just combines all of these cases of all the dudes in that diner thinking all of the ladies who happen to be in that diner are super beautiful Yep, and like talking about it at length. That culminates in the, in the sort of return to the diner at the end when Gordon Cole is there and he's just right. like, Oh man, what is he? He, I mean, he just basically just says that was an incredible twin scene. peaks is just full of beautiful women or whatever he says. Yeah. Um, Although the, I can the world hear of, one of them. Yeah. The world, this world of twin peaks seems to be filled with beautiful women just while looking around the diner. Yeah. But I can hear only one of them. Coop, they say love makes the world go wrong. <laughs> I never said a doggone thing about hearing loss. Yep. The thing that struck me, what did you think about this when he says, I'm about ready to leave Twin Peaks and I don't know when I'll return? It's impossible not to hear that as David Lynch talking. Right. But of course, he's back in a few episodes. Yeah. As a, as, you know, as a director. Yep. His, his hilarious, like, needling to Bobby was pretty amazing. <laughs> you are witnessing a front three-quarters view of two adults sharing a tender moment. Yeah. Take, yeah. An- take another look, Sonny. It's going to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I like how into that Shelley was just clearly to get a rise out of Bobby. Yeah, it's it's been really good seeing Gordon Cole in the double R for a couple episodes just to see David Lynch, who's clearly not been in the show for ages, interacting with all these cast members that he never interacted with in the past. Because mm-hmm. before it was just like he was only ever in the Cooper and Truman uh, like theater sort of of Twin Peaks. But now he's like hanging out with the teens, basically. Mm-hmm. It's, I, yep. I've been enjoying it just just yeah, for it's that. Pretty funny, yeah. Although it's it's interesting and a bummer, and I always I keep thinking about it in these recent Gordon Cole things. I think keep thinking about how Kyle McLaughlin basically wasn't going to be in Fire Walk with me because at least the sort of the word about it is that he because he felt like David Lynch abandoned the show and was mm-hmm. basically just like, no, I'm not going to be in your movie. Yeah, yeah. So like. He's sharing all these scenes with a David Lynch who he's probably not actually really excited to be seeing, but it it doesn't come across in the show. It's really good. Of course not. Yeah. Man, we never, we, so follow up on Cooper and Annie is that they're out on the lake, uh, and you know, they're out on the lake sort of being nice to each other. And then Wyndham Earl is watching like dressed as apparently just Wyndham Earl going fishing. Like his, the, 
it keeps cutting back to his, his like dumb yeah. smirking face. I can't tell at this point when Wyndham Earl's wearing a disguise and when he's not. I know not. that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> like when he's in the cabin early in this episode with the metal guy and he's like handing people beers and being just like a hangout guy. He's got like a hat and an apron on and I can't tell if it's because he was cooking and like he's playing host <laughs> or, or he's like, in the middle of getting a costume. Right, was he or... like was he partway disguised for his like yeah. chef routine? Like I I can't tell. Like it's just such a nothing. It's so yeah. weird. It feels like at this point that the act I'm sure this is not actually the case, but it it, it feels you can imagine the actor being like, guys, I've got a great idea for his right. next big what? disguise. Like, like, oh, we don't really need another disguise right now. No, no, you're gonna this is gonna knock you on your ass. <laughs> the costume designer on the special features is like, Yeah, by episode twenty seven we just let him pick his own costumes. <laughs> just brought the rack out and he just sort of yep. Started playing that flute and just pulled whatever he wanted off the shelf and wore it, and I guess we just rolled with it. In in this guy's uh, in this guy's envisioning of the show that he's on, he's basically the Peter Sellers figure in some kind of like vehicle for him. Right. That is just about him. this whole show is like, yeah, this is the show about this weird murderer guy. It's a great showcase for my range. Yeah, people can't wait to see what I'll do next. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wyndham Earl's Wyndham Earl's non-characterness was enforced in full at the very end when Cooper lectures about how Earl is changing the pattern of the game board. Mm-hmm. He, he's also not. He's just delivering another chess piece. Yep. Yeah, th- this, that whole thing is so ill-considered and meaningless. It's <laughs> I'm so going to kidnap nothing. this. <laughs> and then, oh yeah, then the note of it is, next time it will be someone you know. Yeah. Okay. How about this time it was? Like, are you a real villain or what? Like, what? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you dug up the most preposterous character imaginable just to murder him. Right. Just to first trap him inside of a paper mache chess piece that you build yeah. and leave a hole for his head. And then once he's inside of it, you shoot him with a crossbow? Yeah. It's the whole thing. Like, is... come on, man. Yep. <laughs> He's a genius. Still going, though. Still just trucking along. One more episode of this bullshit from when tomorrow. Never ends, apparently, for some reason. Um, I mean, what else is there in this episode? I guess not a lot even actually really happens in this episode. No. Um, there's the whole... There's the inexplicable Dick Tremaine wine-tasting thing, his onophiliac soiree. I don't know what the point of that was. It wasn't really funny. Like It wasn't as funny as they clearly thought yeah. that it was. It just was there. It's just a scene of stuff. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> that it existed. Then there was Wheeler. Okay, here's the thing, actually. There's uh, Wheeler and his, like, sad sack situation. Love is hell. Mm-hmm. I actually bought that more than I bought any of his relationships. Yeah. With, uh, the scene between with him Audrey. and Cooper was actually probably Billy Zane's best and maybe only good scene right. in Twin Peaks. And I think it might be because he was just relating to Cooper as an adult character to another yes, adult e- character. Exactly. Instead exactly of him playing why. the sort of ambiguously young but like yeah. somehow worldly. It's like, no, just make yeah, – just, just be a be sad like adult. a human being talking yeah. to another human being. Yes. Yeah. I thought yes. that scene was actually, was exactly, actually pretty yeah. good. Yep. Yeah, none of the stuff with Audrey really works for me because both he is like inhabiting a character and treating her as this like archetypal character and together it's nothing. Like it doesn't mean anything. But here he's just bummed out and Cooper's willing to yeah. you know give him a shoulder to the opposite end of that spectrum ear of, to listen to. The opposite end of that spectrum for me of Cooper 
At least of scenes involving Cooper and people who are ostensibly having adult conversations with him was Cooper and Annie's time out on the boat. Yeah. I basically couldn't deal with it. Like, it all felt flat. It didn't feel real. And then yeah, I agree. they show, like, they show Annie's attempted suicide scars. And that also was really a bummer given how meaningless all the stuff that she said up until it was and how it played. Like, it just, like, mm-hmm. yep. Oh, what a. Yeah, she's a, not very much of a character. No, it's a it's yeah. a bummer. Um, but you know, whatever. At least in this episode, we got to witness Pete try to solve a puzzle box. Declare <laughs> it will take years. It will take years. Music. And then the next time he tries to solve it, he drops, he drops it on the it floor. Yeah. Well, so what's the point of it being a crazy puzzle? Well, box? it was an accident. He obviously broke it. No, like, I mean, I understand that. I was, just mean. I just mean. It's, <laughs> It's fine. It's totally fine. I like that setup a lot. That whole right, the fair. one, two, three of that. If I'm like, it will take years. Then he accidentally drops it. Then they pull out the more ominous inner puzzle box, which he immediately just drops yeah. and hopes that it will open. <laughs> yeah. Like that was fun. He's like, I hold yeah, something right. like this. I'll buy it. And then Catherine just takes it away from him. I liked. It. I thought that was a good setup. Setup payoff okay. and then turn. I thought yeah, that was no, good. You won me over. That's fine. It was the highlight of Twin Peaks. That's why I've been looking forward to this <laughs> podcast for like the year that we've been doing this now. Yeah. Not yet. Oh, another thing we didn't talk about was Mike and Nadine. Um, do you do you? Okay, I don't know if this is a conversation we want to have. I don't really understand what the implication of a combination of sexual maturity and superhuman strength is supposed to mean in a positive way. What, imagine, what is the? Like, I imagine it's just supposed to mean this combination of words can make you, without context, like deliver a lascivious face to someone, right? I'm but sure like, someone could invent a specific combination of things that would right. make a specific person really into it, but it felt like it was just like, <laughs> but without, yeah, without, I don't filling in any blanks because there aren't really any to fill in that I can think of. Maybe we're just what, she like do the helicopter thing where she spins them around and that's exciting. Like, we'll find know. out <laughs> when a reader writes in to say. I'll let you know after what, when I dated a super <laughs> strength woman. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. They're on the wrestling team. Who knows what they like? Mm-hmm. Probably wrestling moves. <laughs> True. Yeah, it probably has something yeah, to do with the wrestling. It I made guess. Bobby lose his mind and, yeah. then, and then start playing pinball, I guess, basically. Right, to like get his – like <laughs> Work, get himself out of his worked up state, I guess, that that put him in because it's so amazingly unresist, irresistible. I, I liked that. I, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I was glad that Mike was just like, no, it's good. Everything's good. You don't understand. You'll never understand. I was like, I was hoping that it would have just stopped there instead right. of him being like, sex, bleh. Yeah. Cause like, <laughs> That was that's always implied that they're that they're yeah, having of course, some of course. incredible elevated yeah, I mean, form of sex. It's clear that that's the thing that sort of like tipped the scales for him, which is totally fine. I'm totally fine with that. But he also but just, the attempt to literalize it yeah. actually makes it less believable kind of. I know. I wish that he had just been like Bobby we're in a place that you'll just never get. Yeah, exactly. Like, on an ambiguous uh elements right. of our relationship yeah. are because there. Because then we the audience also like don't quite know and right. it's still mysterious you can, yeah you're like oh it's probably sex but maybe i don't know maybe there's also just like they found each other mm-hmm. yeah who knows but but no mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah ben horn gets another carrot chomp in yeah <laughs> 
this is this okay so what our conversation is revealing is is that this was a generally enjoyable episode with absolutely no substance yes with no through line no through line no point yeah like it feels like all of the all of the dumb arcs that are happening are kind of wrapping themselves up if only because Windermere's killed someone and yeah obviously because we can see the end point so you can see where we're going but just miss twin peaks is coming up Mm Windermere has finally actually killed another person like I guess at this point it's just sort of wait till next week for there to be yeah. anything of note to talk yep. about really. Exactly. Next week ominously called the path to the black lodge. Well, all right. The path to the black lodge is probably a hole inside of Owl Cave. <laughs> yeah. But I I don't know. I don't feel like there's not a whole lot to talk about scene to scene in this episode because it just feels I mean, like... I mean, there's, there's a lot to talk about scene to scene. There's just not a lot to sorry, tie it together. You yeah, know? so we're just going to jump around for the whole episode. But, I mean, if there's nothing that really no, I mean, I, stood I out to you strongly, I don't know if there's much no, more to talk no, about. No, I think that that's... I think that we've pretty much uh, covered, I mean, every all the content that exists in the episode. So, that's fine. Um, so, we have a uh, an on-air mention here from a Twin Peaks Rewatch listener... Uh, this is a small indie game studio called Spaces of Play. Uh, they are working on a game that that they think our listeners might enjoy. It's a surreal action adventure. They call it Future Unfolding. And you can go to futureunfolding.com slash peaks to check it out. Look at that. They made their own little... Uh, oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, little URL there. Uh, that's futureunfolding.com slash peaks. Uh, they call it a uh, surreal action adventure game. So awesome. Perhaps appropriate to the Twin Peaks audience. Thanks also to you guys for uh, getting a sp- for sponsoring our show this week. Mm-hmm, yeah. If you're interested in us uh, giving a shout out, like a quick message of sponsorship to anything you're making professionally or a personal message, you can go to store.idlethumbs.net and find the on air mention section there, and we'll happily talk about whatever you want for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, that's stored at idlethumbs.net. You can find all the rest of our stuff at uh, TwinPeaksRewatch.com. Do you want to do some some reader mail? I always do. All right. This week, more than anything, because... Because <laughs> what else are we going to talk about? Because it's such an undiscussable episode. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Uh, so Bob Yonkman writes, this is actually, this is something that many people have told us about since last week, but... First email that I saw about it was from Bob Yonkman, so that's what I'm reading. He writes, I thought the population size didn't make sense when I first started watching the show, thanks to you guys, so I did some digging. The population of Twin Peaks is 51,201 due to a request from ABC Network. They felt that a town of 5,120, the original population, was too small and unrelatable. This was one of the few changes the network made regarding the original pilot, as revealed by Mark Frost in an appearance with the cast in New York City in September 1990. Uh, yeah, fear, network executives were fearful that the burgeoning urban and suburban population of America would not be able to sympathize with shows set in small farming or industrial towns. So ABC requested the sign read 51,000. What a s- strange and dumb note. I this, mean, at, at least that was the only meddling, right? At least on, on that regard, it's just like right. move the comma, add another zero. So to, to the Jake and to your point that you, you made about this last week or the week before, I think two weeks ago. Uh, it continues, this gave some problems. For example, Twin Peaks should have a resident circuit court judge, which any town of 51,000 in the U.S. should have. And it has a sheriff's department, but no police department. It does, however, have its own hospital department store and a large hotel. Um, <laughs> the Visitor's Guide to Twin Peaks, a note mentions the population was indeed 5,120, but the sign had a typo. 
So that's a hilarious <laughs> retcon there. That's really good. Yeah. We got a lot of emails about that from uh, other people, including Miles Barros, Hayden Gilbert, Matt Humphrey, so uh, Ryan Purseau. So thanks to everyone who wrote in about that. I just read, I just read the first email that I saw. Um, Brett Wood writes. Oh, also, I think the towns that the Twin Peaks were f- filmed in, like North Bend, uh, and those. Uh, I guess there's another town his name I can't remember, but I think mm-hmm. the scale of those towns is actually somewhere in between. Okay, which makes sense sure. aesthetically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that they're in the twenty, thirty thousand range. Okay. Yeah. Um, Brett Wood writes in on the Owl Cave drawing from the tattoo. He says, to answer one of your questions regarding Major Briggs' tattoo and Coop's owl cave drawing, you said something along the lines of, why did Cooper convert the triangles into diamonds when he combined the Log Lady's mountain tattoo and the Major Briggs' triangle tattoo, presumably from the lodge? I had the same question when I originally watched and rewatched Twin Peaks years ago. My girlfriend at the time, Kelly, finally figured it out. She said when you look at Briggs' tattoo and include the negative space, you get the correct number of triangles to create the diamonds Cooper creates, six triangles instead of three triangles. If you look at the shape of Cooper's diamonds in his drawing, they are perfectly the shape of two equilateral triangles stacked on top of one another with the dividing line removed. I know it seems crazy, but as a graphic designer, this irked me for months until it was explained to me. I'm glad you brought it up on your show. I'm one of those super fans you talk about who have the encyclopedic knowledge of the show's lore, having watched and rewatched it so many times that I have individual episodes memorized. I must say your podcast is great. I love how you stumble over the inanity of the show and revisit those moments when they get explained or dissolved in later episodes. Uh, you've made this rewatch most enjoyable, Brettwood. So, Jake, cool. how do you feel about that? Uh, I just looked up a picture of the tattoo, and that is a stretch, but uh, it's allowed, I guess. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Also, it's basically just the radiation symbol. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, all right. Well, I don't have any spoiler stuff, do you? I mean, there's nothing really happened in this episode, so I don't know what there is to spoil. Spoiler, this was the last episode that I actually watched of oh, Twin yeah. Peaks, so the remaining three episodes are not a rewatch for me, they are a watch. Yeah, that, that'll be interesting. So That'll be good. That'll be an interesting perspective to have on the last episode, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening to Twin Peaks Rewatch. We're, we're getting there. We're, in our, we're on the last leg here. Just a few more left, but if you have uh friends who like the show i mean this would i guess be start to become a good time to jump in even if you haven't been listening to all of our casts because we're going to get into this sort of you know big conclusion so um yeah send us along if you think there's someone who might enjoy what we're doing uh rate us on itunes if you if you yourself enjoy it and um you can send us email at twin peaks at idlethumbs.net if you have anything to say about this episode or the upcoming episode of the show um our website is TwinPeaksRewatch.com, and you can find all the links to our social media presence there. So thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. For the path to the Black Lodge. Probably. Probably.